You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We're going to dive right into it. I do not have time. Got stuff to do. I do not have time for a meandering, long-winded, ah, who am I kidding? I'm going to do it anyway. Today's show is titled Inevitable. Because that's kind of how the Buffalo Bills' most recent loss to the Philadelphia Eagles felt. For a lot of people, for a lot of Bills fans, you just kind of knew that Jake Elliott was going to make a 59-yard field goal in the rain. You just kind of knew when the Bills didn't score a touchdown on the opening drive of the game in overtime that the Eagles were going to go down and score. It just kind of felt inevitable. And so I want to talk a little bit about Sean McDermott today because that's the topic du jour not even the topic du jour the topic of the week not even the topic of the day as delicious as du jour sounds it's not even du jour it's of the week not of the day and I want to talk about Sean McDermott turning impossible losses into inevitable losses because for a lot of people when they talk about these types of losses. Man, I can't believe the Buffalo Bills lost that game. They say things like, it's an impossible loss. But for you and I, for people who have followed this team, does it feel impossible to you? Does it feel that way? When you are watching the game and you're coming down the home stretch, does it feel impossible? Do you think to yourself, there's no way the Buffalo Bills are going to lose this? It would be impossible. I suspect that for many out there, I don't think you do. Instead of feeling impossible, it kind of feels inevitable. And that's a bad feeling. And it's led to a lot of people talking about whether or not Sean McDermott should be the head coach of this team moving forward. So I want to talk a little bit about my criticism for Sean McDermott. And I'm trying to find a way to make it about more than just this one game. Because I want to be fair, as we've talked about before, always want to be fair in my criticism. But I also don't want to just think about the micro for the purposes of this discussion. 
I do want to think about the macro because when you're going to fire someone, overall, you're thinking about the macro. You're not thinking about a mistake they make. You're thinking about all the mistakes they've made. You're not thinking about one thing that didn't go right. You're thinking about all the things that didn't go right. Sean McDermott deciding that he would rather not have 20 seconds on the clock and two timeouts with a shot to win is the same call that Sean McDermott made in the snow game in 2017 where he punted to play for a tie in the scenario when a tie knocks you out of the playoffs. The difference is he got lucky the first time and he hasn't gotten lucky the last time. It was the same decision. And really what it boils down to is that in crunch moments, in these absolute important lever-pulling, high-leverage situations, Sean McDermott believes that you got to make a play on defense. This is the reason why he calls zero blitzes at least four times this year in games in high-leverage moments. When the rubber meets the road, it's the job of the defense to go make a play. This is why I kind of reject the idea that Sean McDermott's a conservative coach. He's not. He's an aggressive coach from his own perspective. He's being aggressive. He's trying to force the offensive hand. And he's talked about this before. This is the reason why in those big crunch moments, Sean McDermott brings pressure. This is why I push back against the, well, it's Sean McDermott's soft zone. It's not the soft zone that's killing them. It's the idea that Sean McDermott believes in crunch moments, the defense has to rise up and make a play, which would be true if you didn't have Josh Allen. This is my macro criticism of Sean McDermott. When the time comes to pull a lever, when the time comes to decide that I as a coach need my team to make a play, what he means by team is defense. He needs his defense to make a play. Man, this is a high leverage moment. It could go either way. I need my defense to go make a play. Not I need my franchise quarterback to go make a play. It's not conservatism. Let's make sure we're labeling it correctly. It's not conservatism. It's aggression from a defensive mind. The belief that when the rubber meets the road, the defense has to go make a play. He made that same call and almost didn't break the drought in 2017 because he punted for a tie in a situation where a tie loses you the game. And when I criticized him in 2017 on social media for this, the pushback I got was, well, it worked. You know why? Because Sean McDermott was new at that time and the rose-colored goggles were on and we were much more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's the same decision that he made against the Philadelphia Eagles. And he didn't make that decision against the Detroit Lions last year. It's not like he can't make it. It's that he doesn't consistently make it in favor of his franchise quarterback. If you didn't have Josh Allen, I would understand this. But we've already talked about right now, Josh Allen is a better quarterback than the defense is a defense. I would even listen to this 
if you had the 15th best quarterback and the best defense, if the gap between the skill of your quarterback and the skill of your defense, the gap between the skill in your passing attack and the skill of your defense was so extreme that you were leaning into the strength of your team by deciding to be aggressive and saying, we need to make a play on defense, I would understand that. That hasn't been the case for a long time, Sean. It hasn't been the case since 2020 when Josh Allen took a leap and became an elite quarterback. There hasn't been a gap where you would defer to the play that needs to be made on defense rather than the play that needs to be made in your passing game. Because you've had a good passing game, a really good passing game and an elite quarterback for multiple years, but you're still acting like it's 2017 and you have Tyrod Taylor who's being protected. Heck, I would accept 2019 Josh Allen when the defense was markedly better than Josh Allen was as a passer. But this is where the growth mindset thing bumps up against me. I believe in the growth mindset. I believe that Sean McDermott believes in a growth mindset. And we've seen this. He has become markedly more aggressive when it comes to fourth downs, not kicking when he shouldn't kick. These are things that I've consistently said. Sean McDermott is not a conservative coach. Let's label this problem correctly. It's not conservatism. It's mindset. And it's not that he doesn't have a growth mindset. It's that he's got a bumper. The way that Sean McDermott views the world is just intrinsically different than it should be for a coach who has a franchise quarterback. And that's what frustrates me. What frustrates me about Sean McDermott is you're playing the game like you don't have the tools that you have. What good is having them if you don't use them in the moments where at a high leverage? That's the moment where having a franchise quarterback frustrates everyone else who doesn't. Well, we could do everything we possibly could, but they gave Josh Allen 20 seconds and two timeouts and he got him in a field goal range. The reason you get a franchise quarterback is so in those high leverage moments, you can go, yeah, 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 you did great and everything, but we have Josh Allen. What good is having him if he's not going to be utilized in those high leverage moments? You are wasting a huge chunk of the benefit of even having it because you're deferring in those moments to we need to make a play somewhere else. Got to make a play on special teams. Let me reframe this argument for you. It's fourth and one. And you have the ball on the opposing team's 38-yard line. You line up and you fake a field goal to try and get that first yard. I would be livid. You have Josh Allen. You have Josh Allen for fourth and one. Well, why on earth are you faking a field? Do you think your probability of success is going to be way higher if you fake the field goal than if you just put out one of the best quarterbacks in football and have him try and get the one yard? This is the same argument. Why are you looking to a different part of your team to make a play when you have the thing that everyone else who doesn't have a franchise quarterback is trying to get so they can get them to make a play in that moment. This is my frustration. This is how impossible losses become inevitable losses because you're taking the thing 
that stops them from becoming impossible losses and starts making them improbable wins, and you're taking it off the table. If you're going to act like this, then the only difference between the Bills in the drought and the Bills outside of the drought is that in the Bills drought, you had heartbreaking losses. And in the Bills outside of the drought, you would now have heartbreaking losses with a franchise quarterback. Congratulations. Ta-da! This is my frustration. This is the reason why I railed against Sean McDermott. If this thing cannot be overcome, you're going to get me 100% on board with getting rid of Sean McDermott. I've said before, I don't think they're going to do it. But if this bumper can't be overcome, and I don't know if it can, because everybody has a growth mindset if they want to be flexible, but nobody's endlessly flexible. A leopard doesn't change its spots. It can change its behavior, but not its spots. Is this a spot for Sean McDermott, or is this a behavior? Because if it's a spot, it's just who he is. This is my frustration with Sean McDermott. I want to label it correctly. We're mad and we're flailing and we're saying things like he's a conservative coach. He's not a conservative coach. He's aggressive from a specific point of view. This is why he's running the cover zero blitzes. He's like, man, we got to make a play on defense. I agree we need to make a play. But you should be looking to the best part of your team to do that. And the best part of your team is your franchise quarterback. That's my problem. Where do you go when things get bad? Have you ever been in a relationship with someone? And the reason why you're incompatible is because of conflict management. I have. I was in a relationship with a girl. And the reason why we ended it is because of conflict management. When things got really bad, I went to one spot. She went to a different spot, not geographically, but you go to this place for resolution. You have a go-to method of resolution. Maybe you want to talk about it, right? Maybe you're religious and you want to pray about it. Maybe these things are what you do. You have a, this is where I go when the rubber meets the road. In those high leverage moments where it matters, here's where I go. And she went somewhere else. And that was never going to change, ever. That's why we broke up. This is very similar. Is this just a character trait for Sean McDermott? Is this just where he goes when the high leverage moments happen? He goes to, well, somebody's got to make a play. You shouldn't go to somebody's got to make a play. You should go to my franchise quarterback needs to make a play every single time if you have one. I don't want to hear about the weather. You have a franchise quarterback. I don't want to hear about your defensive timeouts. You have a franchise quarterback. Put your eggs in the basket that you spent so long trying to find. Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to call Sean McDermott a bad coach because I don't think he is. I said it before. Say it again. I think he's fine. I think he's good enough. But I don't think the change needs to necessarily be about finding a better coach. We have a tendency to really quantify things that should otherwise be qualified. I don't even necessarily need a better head coach. Maybe qualitatively, Sean McDermott was just the right head coach for this Buffalo Bills franchise exactly when they needed him. He was the rebound guy. Needed to get out of a slump. Get back on the right track. But that doesn't mean he's going to get you over the hump. 
That doesn't mean he's a bad coach. He's a good coach for that season that you were in. You're in a specific season in life. You need a specific thing. You get that specific thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that what you need in your next season of life is the same thing that you needed in your last season of life. It's the same thing with organizational seasons. Organizational life cycle. What the Bills needed to get out of a drought might have been a program builder, a culture guy. And what they need to move forward might be different. It's not necessarily better or worse. It's different, qualitatively different. A different type of person, a different energy, a different voice, a different strategy. None of the things I just said are better or worse. They're just different. This is the argument for me. If you want to make an argument for the firing of head coach Sean McDermott, this is the argument in my opinion. Let's be fair. If he has the mindset of, if we don't win the game here on defense or special teams, we're screwed, he shouldn't. You have Josh Allen. And if he can't get over that, if he can't get past the mentality that if I don't win the game here on defense or special teams, we're screwed, then he's probably not the head coach to be paired with the franchise quarterback. That's the rant. That's the monologue. We're going to take a quick break. We got emails to get through. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school That might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We talked about Sean McDermott. We talked about my argument against Sean McDermott and the problems I have with the mentality and why I think it might lead to problems for the Buffalo Bills moving forward. Now, we're going to go through some emails. Little John sent me a message on Twitter. And he said, as much as I want to buy the narrative that McDermott pisses away close games, I think of last year's Bills Chiefs. Chiefs down four, less than a minute to go. Mahomes throws the game ceiling pick because Von Miller and Matt Milano had pressure. Our coaching does need to be better, but at the same time, how much are we asking from the depleted defense? When oftentimes to hold on for a win, you just need some dogs to be healthy and make some plays. This 100% lines up with what I mentioned before the commercial break. Sean McDermott believes... That you just need the defense to step up and make plays. And you know what? Sometimes you do. Sometimes there's nothing you can do. But if you have an opportunity to have your quarterback 
go help you win a game at the end and you choose not to take it in lieu of we're going to make the defense win it, that's my problem. Yes, occasionally there's nothing you can do. From a timing standpoint, there's nothing you can do. They're going to get the ball last. And in that case, you do want the dogs on defense. But it's the mentality that you need to have just the defense make a play. It's the preference for wanting the defense to make a play. It's the idea that in order to get this path to victory, because that's what they're trying to do, they see a victory and they go, how do I get there? The problem is the methodology that certain coaches believe it takes to get to winning, that's where it goes off kilter. That's really what it is. It's how do I win this game? And if I look at a coach and I go, okay, coach, tell me how you're going to win this game. And they come to me and go, well, I think the key is we're going to need to make a play on defense right here. When the they could have said, hey, we need to make a play on offense with our franchise quarterback. That's the problem right there. Moving on. Got an email from Christopher Nixon. He said, I will admit I have not researched to confirm this graphic, but assuming it's accurate, should we even be talking about firing the coach of the second winningest team in all of major sports over the last four years? Wins article UB stat, but they are a head coach stat. First off, I don't think they're a head coach stat. I think they're an organizational stat that is influenced by a ton of different factors. I don't think head coaches have 50 plus percentage of the reason why you win. I think wins are an organizational stat. I think they're based on a massive amount of factors. I don't even think they're a head coaching stat. So that's a departure for you and I. But for me, this goes back to the second part of my discussion before the break, which is winning games isn't the goal. Winning the Super Bowl is the goal. And so if I win a lot of games and I don't win the Super Bowl, then the question becomes, am I a Super Bowl contender? And this is the discussion that you and I have had many times on this podcast. I believe you can win a Super Bowl with Sean McDermott as a head coach. I still believe that because I don't believe the bar is crazy high. I don't think you have to be a top five head coach to win a Super Bowl. So yeah, Sean McDermott was in a Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. Ron Rivera almost won a Super Bowl. There's so many people who are inches away from winning a Super Bowl. There's people who have won a Super Bowl who I didn't think were very good head coaches. So yeah, you can win a Super Bowl with Sean McDermott, I think. The question is, are you increasing or decreasing your chances to win a Super Bowl by changing qualitatively the type of coach that you have? As I mentioned, we're not even necessarily trying to get better coach. I'm going to frame this for you right here. The Buffalo Bills could fire Sean McDermott, get a worse head coach, and win a Super Bowl. They could do that. That's a reasonable thing. Because qualitatively, it could mesh better. I think John Gruden was a worse head coach than Tony Dungy. I think Tony Dungy was a better head coach than John Gruden. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fired Tony Dungy, hired John Gruden, who I think is a worse head coach, and won a Super Bowl. That's a real thing that could happen to the Buffalo Bills. Because sometimes it's not necessarily about better or worse. It's sometimes about different and finding the right thing for what you need at that time. If you put all of the traits of all of the girls you've ever dated on a piece of paper, you might not have married the best one. 
You just married the best one for you. They fit. You could look objectively at it from a scientific standpoint. Take a step back and go, well, yeah, that person had a, a more impressive collection of traits than the person that I married. But the person that I married was the best person for me at this time. Thankfully, I didn't have to worry about that because Mrs. Nolan is the best who has ever been. But we get really focused on upgrade or downgrade or upgrade or downgrade. I can have an equal quality head coach and be infinitely more successful because qualitatively they're different. Dave emailed me and said, hi, Bruce, that was a tough one. Unfortunately, not surprising. Might you say it was inevitable? Since we've never won an overtime game in the McDermott era, and we've had multiple losses this year due to the defense unable to get a final stop, it felt inevitable. Hmm. Interesting. It made me wonder, does McDermott lack the clutch gene? Do you believe in the clutch gene? Us fans know it when we see it. Michael Jordan, Joe Montana, Brady, some people just have an extra gear when they need to win. Folks criticize McDermott for being too, too conservative and playing not to lose. He might just be clutch gene deficient. All right, so we've talked about this on the pod before, but it's been a long time, so we'll do it again. I believe in the clutch gene. I believe in it. I think it is observable scientifically in all aspects of things like sports. It's observable in crunch time in sales. It's observable. There are certain people who react negatively to pressure. The people who do not react negatively to pressure or less negatively to pressure, this is an observable trait in people. I think that's a clutch gene. I don't know if it's genetic or not. So I know that the, the term gene is probably not the right usage. The clutch trait is probably a better word for that, better term for that. But I believe in the clutch trait. Like, I think that's a real thing. There are people who are just clutch. Now, I think it's a learned trait, which is one of the reasons why I don't consider it genetic. I think you can become more clutch. But ultimately, I think it absolutely applies to head coaches. There are people who clam up and make poor decisions and flail. Or, as we mentioned before the break, in those crunch moments, they just go to what's comfortable for them. And that's what I think we're, we're seeing a lot of the time with Sean McDermott. And I don't know if he can overcome that or not. He keeps saying he's racking his brain, racking his brain, racking his brain, but we've seen him do it before. He did it with the Lions. Put the ball, Josh Allen's hands, said, go get us a, a field goal to win it. And they did. But it almost like the situation has to be perfect for him to do that. Because now all of a sudden you get a little rain and he's like, ah, I don't want to do that anymore. If the situation has to be perfect for you to put the ball in your franchise quarterback's hands to go help you win a game with an elite passing attack, then that's not your natural inclination. If it was, you would need a lot of stuff to pull you off of that natural inclination. But you didn't. You just needed some rain. That's all you needed to say, eh, pass on it. It didn't take much for you, Sean McDermott, to say, yeah, no, nah, I'm going to I'm gonna rely on my defense. Why? Because I think that might be your natural inclination. And that's a problem for me. Andy says, in response to my email last week about McDermott and meat raffles, you gave an answer that you initially described as boring. Frankly, I disagree. It wasn't boring, but rather incredibly comprehensive and I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. That said, I have an almighty take on the Bills' future at head coach. Leslie Frazier stepped down in an effort to expose McDermott's play-calling ability. There's been a lot of talk about how McDermott's play-calling style is built not to lose rather than to win. And I think there's something to that. 
in years past did we heap blame on Frazier when it should have been placed on McDermott all along. I also have a question. Let's operate under the assumption that McDermott has gone off this season. I know you would prefer an offensive-minded head coach, but how would you feel about A, Frazier returning as head coach, or B, Jim Schwartz getting the job that he should have been offered eight years ago? I prefer option B, but I want to know what you think. I like Jim Schwartz. I think he's an aggressive guy. Um, I would prefer an offensive-minded head coach, for sure. Out of those two options, I'm definitely taking B. I'm taking that over Leslie Frazier. I would not be interested in having Leslie Frazier come back as a head coach. I think stylistically, you are going to the same type of coach. I mentioned earlier that multiple times that it isn't necessarily about being better. Like if Sean McDermott's the eighth best coach and you hire the ninth best coach, you could still win a Super Bowl and you could have a better team, even though you have technically a worse coach because qualitatively is better. But I think Leslie Frazier, you're getting qualitatively the same guy. So I don't think that generates the positively unless you go from like the eighth best coach to the best coach. Like you have to jump up in quality a lot to deal with the fact that you're qualitatively still the same coach. So I would not be interested in Leslie Frazier. Now, in regards to your almighty take, I don't think Leslie Frazier stepped down in an effort to expose McDermott's play calling ability. I do think Sean McDermott is a very different play caller than Leslie Frazier. I think that that the amount of heavy blitzing you've seen in high leverage moments from Sean McDermott, you did not see from Leslie Frazier. I think Leslie Frazier took the opposite approach when it came to those high leverage moments. So I think Sean McDermott is a more aggressive defensive play caller. And when the defense had all of their horses, I think that worked out a little bit better. But this is another frustration. You had your defense who lost a bunch of horses and hasn't been as effective as your offense, and you're still looking to your defense to make a play in those high leverage moments. Even though it's clearly your weaker unit. And it's gotten weaker, but you didn't adjust. You are failing to recognize where the strength of your team lies. And that's a bad trait in head coach. So I know that we spent the entire time on Sean McDermott. I know we did because everything kind of looped around to him, but that's the topic of the week. So I hope you enjoyed 30 minutes on Sean McDermott. Shoot me an email. I am Bruce Nolan at gmail.com. I, I realize I read off emails and I don't ever tell anybody where they can email me, which I'm a terrible marketer. We've established this, just a horrible marketer. Uh, I am Bruce Nolan at gmail.com. Shoot me an email and we'll we'll talk about it. And you could not. That's always an option too, but I guess, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan of Low Rumblings.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.